0: Hey, everyone. Happy Wisdom Wednesday. And uh, this week's Book of the Week actually comes from uh, my business program. There's a program by Seth Godin called the Alt-MBA. It's a remarkable program. Um, When I originally uh, started my career in medical devices, my first job was actually with Missouri Robotics, a fantastic organization. And, you know, after three years in... Uh, I came to a crossroads because the organization, uh, our company was essentially acquired in a very uh, successful acquisition. And uh, I was uh, laid off, but I was given the option to stay on board and instead of staying in marketing, go into sales since uh, this larger organization was going to take over marketing. And I decided to take a leap and, uh, move on to my next uh, step in life when I didn't know what it was at the time and having a mortgage and uh, not really a job lined up, uh, the first thing I thought was, you know what, I think I'm going to spend a few thousand bucks and go to Seth Godin's all-time BA. Because the way I thought of it was that no matter what, you you can you'll always benefit and find ways to benefit if you uh, invest in yourself. So in the Alt MBA, uh, they had a you know it's essentially a very intensive uh, business program uh, that is not is there's no certification no nothing. It's all about enrollment and learning how to be creative, learning how to lead, and more importantly how to ship. Uh, we shipped I think something like sixteen projects in the span of four weeks. Uh, every week we had two to three projects to do, and we kept shifting around to have different teams, so it was really intensive, really uh, quite remarkable, and of course, there was some reading involved with that, and one of the books that we had to read was this book called The Art of Possibility, which is going to be our uh, book of the week, so let me tell you a little bit about The Art of Possibility. Now, I have the book here in front of me. It's a beautiful book, uh, very simple. I like the design. It's sort of a bright yellow book. It's hard to miss. Um, with a uh, white cursive lettering, and of course, it's uh, uh, published by uh, by Penguin. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, uh, the Peng- Penguin Books publishing company. They, they do a really good job. Um, but let me let me give you a quick uh, quick intro to the book. So, if, you, if to sum up the book really in a few sentences, uh, it, it's this: that everything in life is an invention. So, if you choose to look at your life in a new way. Then suddenly your problems will fade away, right? And this, and I've talked about this many times before, which is the art of reframing. Um, one of the best ways to do this is to focus on possibilities surrounding you in any situation, rather than slipping into the default mode of just measuring and comparing your life to others. Um, this is a theme that, uh, and so that's that's the book in a few sense. Now. The theme that I just shared with you, I'm sure many of you have thought, "Hey, you know, I think I've heard that before," and you are correct. So, Dr. Jordan Peterson in his uh, f- phenomenal and and uh, monumental book, uh, The Twelve Rules for Life, he mentions this, which is, you know, just like in science, when you look to compare things, you have to compare things that are essentially uh, similar enough, so you have, you know, this, you know, more or less the same variables. So you can't compare yourself. To other people you can't even compare yourself to people who say grew up in the same circumstances as you the best way to compare is to compare yourself today to who you were yesterday and who you can be tomorrow i think the art of possibility really does a good job of focusing on that now who's the art of possibility by let me tell you so the art of possibility Um, is a book by the Boston Philharmonic conductor, Benjamin Zander and his wife, who's a therapist and painter, Rosamund Zander. And what they do in this book is they tell managers and business leaders, really any kind of leaders, uh, the important lessons from the arts to inspire all aspects of their work. Um, now, when we dive into this, I'm not going to, of course, tell you the whole book. You know, these, are, these podcasts are really a discussion and more of a supplement rather than a replacement. But we're going to dive into all these important lessons from the arts uh, that you can really gain uh, inspiration from. And then get a good look about the practices and principles that when you apply with, you know, diligence and care, really can transform the way that you as a leader can view your professional and personal life. So... Uh, let's let's get into it. So um, I'm going to go through and sort of share some of my notes from this book, some thoughts, and, you know, of course, as always, uh, relate this to some other books you might enjoy. So one of the things is everything in life is based on your reference frame. So if you look at things in a new way and suddenly you're going to find that your problems will fade away. Now, uh, a great example of this about how it relates to my life is the first time I was laid off, um, it's very natural when you lose your job, to become incredibly afraid, right? Because this is tapping into a really primal and primitive part of your brain in the in the in what's called the lizard brain, the brainstem, right? Um, because uh, working and having a job is a form of sustenance. It's survival, right? And when you don't have that, right, all of a sudden, the order that you had in your life, which is going to work, doing what you're told, uh, delivering value, and then getting paid for it, and of course paying your bills. All that order is thrown for a for loop, and you've now entered a state of chaos. And when you descend into a state of chaos, it is very overwhelming. But the first thing I told myself was, this is going to be a very exciting time because now there's a whole world of possibilities and opportunities for me to go go look into that I didn't think about before. And I know that I'll be okay. And of course, this is not just wishful thinking. Right. But more importantly, this is why, you know, if you think about compelled speech laws, you know, where they are laws that dictate what you can say and what you cannot say. That's why they can be very dangerous, because essentially, in order to think, you have to be able to speak. Right. When you speak words, you articulate what you believe to be is true. That's how you start to develop thoughts and you develop your own ways of thinking. Right? So if you change the words, you use different words, you reframe things rather than looking at it as, oh my God, I have no job and I'm going to be poor, I'm going to lose my house, etc. You reframe and say, you know what? I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to make more money and everything's going to be fine. And the most important thing is that it's not just wishful thinking, it's taking action towards it. So of course, I hit the ground running and I really worked hard and things worked out quite well for me. I landed a new job and then eventually I moved to San Francisco, right? Another another interesting point from the book is that everything is invented, right? Everything is invented. Everything in life is an invention. And the way we see things is the same way we measure things, the way we compete, the way we judge ourselves. And I've mentioned this before, and and I'll say it again in in this very simple quote. And I want you to listen carefully. God is what's left when you take everything else away. God is what's left when you take everything else away. Now, before you even think realize or thought about what that meant you brain didn't even register anything other than the fact that what i just said was very profound if i said that same thing to a christian a muslim an atheist a democrat republican whatever it's always going to be registered as profound but in a different way right and i mention this because reality is a lot more subjective than you realize right all the problems in the world that you have you possess those same answers to solve those problems, and it's all in your head. It just depends on how you want to frame and look at things, all right? Now, next next concept, and this is something that we learned a lot about in, in the NBA, is give yourself an A. That's right. Give yourself an A. So if you automatically assume the best and give everyone an A in life, then you let the best come out in them, and you remove a lot of barriers that have been in the relationship um, in general. Right. So you give everybody that chance. Right. Because you set people up to um, to essentially succeed. And what I would say, um, I would actually uh, uh, change this a little bit. But, you know, the one thing in life that we're most afraid of uh, is failure. Right. That's why a lot of us don't try new things. And so sometimes you have to just give yourself an F and say, you know what, I already failed. Right. And, and, and in the sense, and you have to be very careful about that concept, but maybe think about it in the way that, OK, no matter what happens, I get to control how I'm going to perceive these events. Right. So, yeah, maybe not give yourself an F <laughs> now that I think about it. But I think that you have to get over the concept of failure. Right. Um, that's why I always talk about systems versus goals. You know, a goal is you want to get your boss's job, for example, and a system is what do I have to do to get a job better than what I have now, right? Because there might be a job out there that's even better than your boss's job. And when you set up a system, it's not as black and white as a goal where it's either you succeed or fail, right? you find ways to expand your role and, and introduce new opportunities, okay? Now, I'm just going to thumb through a little bit more. Let's see what else we find here in this book. Um, you know one thing I do like is that uh, there are it's 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 got a nice framework um, and and th- in the sense that they that in the chapters we we end up getting introduced to a set of practices, and each of each of these practices have its own uh, catchphrase. You know, for example, uh, it's all invented, or giving an A, or rule number six. And I really like that because it helps set up what you're about to learn in in the in the uh, in the chapter. And the good thing is that. It, it sets it up where you, it, it tells you some stories, but also tells you the practice. So, for example, uh, being a contribution. The practice of being a con- contribution is inventing oneself as a contribution and others as well. And here are the steps. Uh, number one, declare yourself to be a contribution. And number two, throw yourself into life as someone who makes a difference, accepting that you may not understand how or why. The contribution game's game appears to have remarkable powers for transforming conflicts into rewarding experiences. And I think that's a nice framework to this book. Um, So I'm going to go through a few more more of my notes here and then we'll we'll wrap this up. So uh, another concept I really liked was assignment for yourself. And what you do here is you write down all the ways in which you have been a contribution to the world around you in the last week. Um, and there's no fail- no space for failures and missteps. You only get to list how you contribute in a positive way. Now, a lot of these things might sound uh, kind of silly in a way, right? It's like, oh, you know, do I really have to do that? And the answer is yes, you do. Because more often than not, what we default to is looking at what we didn't do, right? The things that we didn't do well, things that we forgot to do, things that we failed at. And by forcing yourself not and, and again, this is not just thinking about it. Sitting down and writing down your contributions for a week, the, the, the positive impact you have, allows you to start having a more positive attitude, right? Now, a positive attitude isn't going to make you better in everything. It is, uh, a positive attitude is not the only thing you need to succeed in life, but it will make you better at everything that you do, right? Look, I mean, I'm not a brain surgeon, right? But I'm sure having a positive attitude, uh, if I were to perform brain surgery is going to be much more beneficial than me having a negative attitude, right? And again, um, you can, <laughs> you can argue uh, the details around that. But think about it. If, let's just say that I had to conduct neurosurgery, right? For some weird reason I'm I'm in a hospital, there's no more surgeons or I have to conduct neurosurgery, but there are people there that can help me. By having a positive attitude, I can at least put myself in a position where I'm open to receiving the information, focusing on executing and having a successful outcome, right? Now, again, that's gonna be much better than having a negative attitude because then you start focusing on all the ways that things can go wrong. And as I've mentioned before the more you put energy and focus on what you don't want in life and what you don't want to happen, the more likely that's going to happen. And there's really no scientific basis about how that actually works, but I can, I can assure you that it, it works that way. If you think about even something as simple as going back in time and looking at an exam maybe you failed at, if you thought about it, probably when you were studying and probably when you were taking the exam, all you were thinking was "don't fail, don't fail, don't fail," and that's not how the brain registers things. It just registers things as fail. It doesn't know the difference between doing and not doing, right? So having a positive outlook is is a very powerful, powerful thing. Now, rule number six, I mentioned it earlier. That was one of the chapters I really like it on. It's called "Don't Take Yourself So Damn Seriously," right? And I'm going to flip to that chapter real quick. Um, and I and I like that because. Um, we, I think in general, we, we think that in life, when we're about to do something heroic or, or that re- requires us to exert ourselves, we have to be really serious about it. And, um, and I'm going to read a, a, a little uh, story from, from rule number six. So two prime ministers are sitting in a room and they're discussing the affairs of the state. And suddenly a man bursts in um, with a lot of fury and shouts and stomps around and bangs his fist on the desk. And the resident prime minister admonishes him and says, Peter, kindly remember rule number six, whereupon Peter is instantly restored to complete calm, apologizes and withdraws. The politicians return to their conversation only, be, only to be interrupted again 20 minutes later by a hysterical woman uh, gesticulating wildly, her hair flying all over the place. And again, the intruders agree to her with the words, Marie, please remember rule number six. Complete calm descends once more, and she too withdraws with a bow and apology. When the scene is repeated for a third time, the visiting Prime Minister addresses his colleague and says, My dear friend, I've seen many things in my life, but I've never seen anything as remarkable as this. Would you be willing to share with me what the secret of Rule 6 is? And the other Prime Minister says, Very simple. Rule number 6 is don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. Ah, says the visitor, that is a fine rule. And after a moment of pondering, he inquires, and what, may I ask, are the other rules? And he says, there are none. And as simple as, as these rules are, I think there's a lot of value and wisdom in simple rules in life. Because, yes, they might be simple, but they not be they may not be easy, right? When things go awry, all hell's breaking loose, It it's simple to think, like, don't take yourself so goddamn seriously, take it easy. But it's not easy to do. And again, this goes back to, what do you think is going to be uh, the best form of of operating, and let's just put this in a sports analogy, you know. For example, when the Patriots, uh, they were down 28 to three in the third quarter in the Super Bowl against the Falcons, right? That's a lot. That's a big lead, and they were done. I remember. I even remember going home at that point. I was like, Ah, this game's over with. Do you think they could have made that historic comeback and win Super Bowl? Uh, had they just taken themselves so seriously and started getting angry and and panicking, saying, you know, we're losing, what's going on? Or they, no. They were very calm. They were collected and they said, okay, what do we have to do on this one play to advance the ball, advance ourselves so we can score, right? And that's what they focus. They focus on everything they can do in one moment at a time, right? And I think that's a lot of times when we look at big goals or systems and we try and you know, take this big bite out of something. We we do, do ourselves a disservice by not reverse engineering and going back by back by back, day by day, and saying, okay, what can I do today that'll put me in the right direction towards what I'm trying to achieve? Right. So think about yourself. If you if you lost your job, right. You know, getting going crazy and 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 yelling and saying you know uh, that you're that you lost your job for no reason and screw this company and what are you going to do about money? If you go back and say, okay, you know I lost my job, that's okay. I'll find another one. So what what can I do right now that'll help me? And and one thing I advise people to do is talk to yourself. Talk to yourself the same way that you would talk to somebody you deeply care for, right? Because if you deeply care about somebody and they came to you and said, Hey, I just lost my job, you wouldn't start yelling at them saying that they're an idiot and they need to get their act together, etc. You'd say, Hey, everything's gonna be okay. What you know, let's figure out what can you do right now to Get get things started. Maybe it's just getting on LinkedIn and changing your preferences so people know that you're looking for a job. Maybe it's just picking up a phone, calling a few close friends in the industry you know, and saying, "Hey, um, just want to let you know that uh, I left my current role. I'm going to be uh, sort of evaluating things this week. But just keep me in mind if anything uh, any opportunities come up. You see, just please let me let me know. Right? You'd be surprised uh, how much uh, that that helped. And more importantly, you know, think about your lizard brain, right? Your primitive brain that's going nuts. If you feed it these little chunks, right, to satisfy, to say, "Hey, look, you know, we're making a little progress, right?" It'll you'll find yourself calming down, right, and the more calm you are, right, and the more the less seriously you take yourself, the more you're able to focus on what you need to do in that moment to make things better, right? All right. Now let's uh, go back. I'm going to go back to my notes. A do a few more, a few more things. Now. Uh, this is an interesting concept, uh, which they've introduced in the book, which is the calculating self versus the the central self. So the calculating self, which many of you can look at as the ego, is the one who runs uh, our lives in the world of measurement. How much money are you making? Uh, Did you get a promotion? How big is your house? All these things. And again, you can you can see that very much as ego. And the central self, which to me I like to define as intuition, right, is the one that runs the world of possibility for us, right? Our intuition is very wise, it's very deep, but never gives us details about things, right? It just gives us this feeling, right? You know, you might be in a job and you have this weird intuition, this feeling where you you hear this voice saying, eh, you're not going to stay here that long, right? Um... And I think the importance is is really learning how to use your intuition, right? And when it comes to the idea of the possibility world, right? think of this possibility, and this is a nice little exercise. You know, a lot of people, you know, there's a concept in physics called the simulation, right? And that concept is that, um, you know, the world we live in right now was was a simulation. It was programmed by a higher power. And, of course, when you write code, sometimes you run out of code and you just reuse different aspects of it, right? So the idea is that there's many parallel universes occurring simultaneously right now, right? There's the you today. There's another you that's in another universe uh, living a different life, right? It's kind of a crazy idea, but, you know, bear with me here. So... The one interesting thing is that there's this quote uh, that says that the future, the future is already here. It's just it's just distributed unevenly, and what that means is, you might have a dream life, right? Uh, a future that you want. Maybe it's becoming a doctor, maybe an entrepreneur, uh, a musician, whatever. There's somebody who's living that exact life that you want right now. And all you have to do is go and find that person and talk to them. It's just that simple. And I'll give you an exercise to go go through. Um, and here's the exercise. You're going you're gonna to write out three lies for yourself. And you have to write this out because it's an exercise. And you're going to think about your life for the next 10 years. Life number one is where you are right now, whatever job you're in, whatever you're doing, and how that plays out, right? And think about, you know, to the very, uh, um, uh, the furthest uh point you can think of in terms of how it plays out right let's say you work a current job you know maybe you climb the corporate ladder in 10 years you're a vp or an executive making a lot of money all of you really go into detail about that life number two is uh imagine that ai really takes over takes over tomorrow and your job is eliminated all over the world so if you're let's say an accountant no more accountants it's done what would you go and do right what what skills would you acquire Right? And, and and you know, plan that life out. Just write it out. Just try and go on the on a visualization exercise and visualize what that would look like for 10 years. You know, and what would you where would you be in 10 years? And the third is a very interesting one, which is if you had all the money in the world, right, you had you had you know money is not a problem, and you did not care what people thought, what would you do? What would you do? Think about that. Right? Now on this uh, uh, topic, I want to kind of go back to because I think many of you have this issue, at least the ones of who of you have reached out, and that is uh, the this concept that the more you shine on an object, the more evidence of it you find. Right? Think about that. The more you, the more attention you shine on an object, the more evidence of it you will find. Now, this is how a downward spiral talk really escalates into reality, right? Which is the more you focus on what you don't have, the more if we focus on negative, uh, negative events, things you don't want, everything, the more, well, well, it sounds like somebody threw out the trash. Um, the more, the more of it, it will become real, right? And, and that's why I say, you know, it's, it's more than just, uh, wishful thinking. And again, um, you know you're not you need to be you know sort of anchored in reality but that doesn't mean uh, fantasizing about negative events that haven't happened right yet right um, people who describe the glass as half full um, are you know are not delusional optimists you know in fact they're they're more based in reality because they are describing a substance that is actually in the glass and they are describing reality as it is. But the cynic who describes a glass as half empty is focusing on their energy on something that is not actually there. Think about that, right? And finally, and again, you know, it's a fantastic book. Um, I think a good one to, to read at the end of the year. I want to leave you with this uh, this nice quote. Uh, for my good friend Christian Alvarez uh, it's on his Instagram if you, you can follow him at Christian underscore ATx underscore mia and that is trade your expectations for appreciation and you will find fulfillment right And what that means to trade your expectations for appreciation, and you'll find a, f- a fulfillment is I'll give you a simple exercise from now to do. start wishing for the things that you already have. That's right. Wish for the things that you already have. Because we can always think about things that we want, but there was a time where you wished for the things that you have today, right? Whether it's a job, a home, um, a loved one, you know, better, you know, health, whatever that might be. And maybe you don't have much, but you probably have a lot more than somebody else. So find a way to start wishing for the things that you already have, and in that you'll definitely find fulfillment. Um. And I want to leave you with a couple more nice uh, notes that I have. Um, And one of those, one of these quotes is that don't focus on being the best in the world. Focus on being the best for the world. Now, I myself am an incredibly competitive person, and you know, I think uh, especially if you're, you know, especially I think if you're a guy and you, you grew up playing sports and everything, or a girl playing sports, you know, you get in this concept of being the best in the world. But when you focus on being the best for the world, right, it's a very different way, right? Because even like this, if you're, let's say, big in social media and you try and focus on being the best in the world, maybe the most followers and everything, you start taking shortcuts, right? You start focusing on on, uh, vanity metrics and things that... Really aren't going to provide that much value in the world. You're just trying to measure yourself against somebody else. But if you focus on value, on being the best for the world, thinking about what you deeply care about, what the world actually needs, you shift your frame of reference. And now you're not competing with other people. You're competing with yourself. You're competing with who you were yesterday, right? And that's the only way to really get ahead of life, right? Is to look at yourself as to who you were yesterday and who you were today and saying, Am I better than I was? Am I smarter? Am I happier? Am I more fulfilled? And if not, what can I do to move that forward, right? And there's always a balance to all this. Um, and uh, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna leave you with one one last quote, which is: When you break a bone, you don't blame it on the arm or the leg. It's it's the it's a problem of the entire body. What if we acted that way in society so instead of blaming groups for violence or terrorism we see it as a problem for all of society something that we all have responsibility to solve right and you might say well Omar I'm you know I'm not a politician or anything so what what good can I do maybe the best that you can do is you know, being really, being very kind and, and nice to someone who you see at work or, let's say, at the store who you know may not have a lot of friends, may not have the best life, but you find a way to make them smile or happy, right? Maybe you know about um, somebody getting bullied, right? And you find a way to stick up for them, right? Maybe, maybe teach them to, to defend themselves, right? There's a variety of ways that we can look around and beautify the world around us, even if it's as simple as... Finding a way to, you know, show how you carry yourself, right? For me, what I always try and do is at the end of the day, I I like to do this little game in my head, which is called the movie movie that is my life. And so I like to pretend that I'm actually in a movie, right? You know, I think about the credits rolling and, and music and everything, kind of like those... You know, those movies that you see where the main character walks in the store and there's music and, you know, something funny happens. I like to think of it like that. And what I often love to do is I think about the audience who's potentially watching my movie and saying, what would make this audience really feel good? What can I teach the audience, right? And so a lot of times what I do is, you know, I'll, I'll be at a store. This happened the other day. I was at a store and the lady... At this, at the checkout, just looked like she was having a really bad day. She just looked in a, she, she looked like she was in a really bad mood. Kind of like, you know, somebody kicked her dog or something. And I remember I looked at her and I said, okay, this is this is a good moment. I said, hey, how's your day going? And she goes, She's like, well, it's going. I'm gonna be off soon. I'm like, hey, you know what? At least you know, you, you get this great job, you get to make some money today, look, look at all the nice people you work around with. That's pretty good, right? And she's like, Yeah, yeah, I know I never thought of it like that. And she smiled, I'm like, look at that smile. I'm like I'm like I can tell that you're a very very ha- happy person. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm happy. And I was like, but it feels good sometimes when we when we get upset and we wanna we wanna get down on things. She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, so so I asked her. I was like, so you, you you were in a bad mood. She's like, yeah. I was like, well, and this is all you know. I had a lot of items, so this is all what she was checking out. I, and I said, so you're in a bad mood. I was like, do, do you think you'll feel better? with would be in a better mood later this evening and she's like yeah yeah I'll be in a better mood tonight I'm like okay I was like it's it's two o'clock now I was like do you think maybe you'll be in a better mood at 4 p.m. and she's like yeah yeah I think I think I can be in a better mood I'm like okay I'm like but you worked really hard for this misery right you want to wait till, till 4 p.m. and she smiled. she's like well, what do you mean and I said well if you're gonna feel better about things at 4 p.m. why wait till then why don't you just feel better now smile you'll be much you know it'll be a much better day for you and and she looked at me kind of like that looked like. Who the hell is this dude to be telling me that I should be happy? And she's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And I said, yeah, you know, I was like, I hope I hope you don't mind me saying that. I said, but I, 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 when I saw you, I could tell that you were having a tough day. And I've had those tough days, too. And I always wish that somebody would try and cheer me up. You know, so I hope you don't mind that. I, you know, <laughs> I suggested that, you're, that you that should maybe be happy and smile. There's definitely things in life not to be happy about. And she and that she backed my stuff up. She said, no, no, you know what? You you're right. You're right. There's always something to be um, upset about, but there's always plenty to be grateful for and appreciative. And she she's like, "Hey, you know, thanks." And I was like, "Yeah, thanks. And we had a genuinely nice exchange." There. Now, of course, not everyone's that outgoing and, you know, definitely that's not always going to be the outcome. But sometimes you have to put yourself out there. And maybe maybe you'll, you know, maybe you'll deal with somebody who's not going to be that receptive about those kind of things, but sometimes you have to try new things. You know, put yourself out there. You know, think about the time that you felt like that and and wonder, I wonder what someone else could have done to make me feel better, right? And I think when you put yourself um, in that position to be, to try and be generous, to try and help, right, um, you're always going to, you know, end up on top, you know. So anyways, that's uh, the book of the week, The Art of Possibility, my pens are rolling around here. The Art of Possibility: Transforming Professional and Personal Life by Rosamund Stone Zander and Benjamin Zander. So I'll leave a link for this book uh, in the show notes. If you want to support this podcast, definitely buy the book through the show notes. Um, it helps me at least buy buy more books. And uh, you know, if you're not following me all already, please follow me online. You can look me up at Omar M. Katib on LinkedIn, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and then, of course, I launched a YouTube channel uh, where I do the book these book reviews, and I'm going to be diving into a lot of fun topics. So I'd love for you to follow me there. It's Mind Gloom with Omar M. Khatib. So that all said, I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Spend it with some loved ones. Take some time and reflect you know, and, a, and, and see what you can find to really be appreciative of and think about all the possibilities that lie ahead of you in the new year. So that said... Happy Wisdom Wednesday, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Mind Loom. For questions that you'd like to submit, please email mindloomboom at gmail.com. That's mindloomboom at gmail.com.